You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For God's sake, burn it down. This episode we'll be talking about Dexy's Midnight Runners Search for the Young Soul Rebels. On the line I have Rob. Sup? Ben. Hello. And Kyle. Howdy. Searching for the Young Soul Rebels is the debut studio album by the English pop group Dexy's Midnight Runners, released on the 11th of July 1980 through EMI Records. The genre is New Wave and Blue-Eyed Soul, and I'm going to read from the book John Harrington. Kevin Rowland and Kevin Al Archer, previously of the punk act The Killjoys, formed Dexys Midnight Runners in Birmingham, England in July 1978, taking their name from Dexedrin, a pep pill favored by 60s mods. After Dexys played several gigs with the specials, whose audience included many skinheads, Roland decided that the hard gang-based look was needed for the post-punk times. The New York Steve Doors in the movie On the Waterfront and the Italian-American <laughs> in Mean Streets provided the spur for the band's <laughs> trademark woolly hats, donkey jackets, and leather coats. Sophomore single Gino married Roland's lyrical tribute to soul singer uh, Gino Washington with Archer's punchy music, including an irresistible brass riff cribbed from Washington and the Ram Jam band over a solid rhythm section. Dominated by Big Jim Patterson's trombone, Jeff Bly's saxophone, and Steven Spooner's alto sax, the song became UK number one and a live favorite. This inaugural LP proved just as strong, opening with the sound of a radio switching channels before a cry of, for God's sake, burn it down, kicks things off. The track was a reworking of debut single, Dance Stance, Roland's angry diatribe against the anti-Irish jokes. Other album highlights included Roland and Archer's dual vocals on the Defiant, Tell Me When My Light Turns Green, a breakneck cover of Chuck Woods' Northern Soul favorite, Seven Days Too Long, There There My Dear, uh, cl- closes proceedings on a high. Welcome to the new soul vision indeed. All right, what do we think of Dexy's Midnight Runners? I fucking love this and I did not expect to like it at all. Nice. And I was definitely not expecting all these horns. (laughs) Like my, my knowledge of uh, Dixie's midnight runners was uh, all fiddle and Irish based. Come on Eileen. Like this is, they have an identity crisis between albums, Rob. And I'm into it. I'm here (laughs) for the identity crisis. It's awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, most of my research was basically people saying, you think you know Dexy's Midnight Runners from the hit single Come On Irene, the, you know, you think they're a one hit wonder. It's not true. You know, they're, 
there were much larger two hit wonders and they've had (laughs) they're a more established band than uh america gives them credit for that's true i've got like complicated feelings towards dexy's midnight runners and i think part of it is i feel like i'm on that same bubble that i was talking about when we were talking about adam and the ants just like the style bubble Mm mm-hmm I enjoy listening to this album. This album's fun to listen to at times. Like it's weird. Like at times it's almost like my old punk rock bullshit detector will start like tingling or, or like something will just like feel a little bit forced. And I think that what that comes down to is, you know, uh, Kevin Rowland, he, he definitely, he wanted to be the next biggest band. And this is definitely his band. He's a bit of a control freak. And he also like, he, he's, he want, he doesn't want to do the punk rock thing. He doesn't want to do the ska thing. He wants to start a new thing. And that's like, it's like, he's always on this quest to start a new thing, which I admire, but sometimes it just seems like, I don't know. Sometimes it just seems forced without that spark of of passion in it. But I'm also I'm being really critical because I really I, I I've really enjoyed listening to this album this week and I keep on going back to it. Could it be so, that you are missing the stacks uh OG soul and this is the blue-eyed soul, you know, version of it? Because you said that he wanted to create something new. I think he just wanted to invigorate uh, that sort of soul music from the stacks and Motown labels into a, you know, fused, uh, I don't know, post-punk or pop-punk sort of element. Okay, so th- there, there's a line, and I think it's in Romeo and Juliet, where uh, Juliet says, like, you kiss by the book. Mm-hmm. And... Yep sometimes I get that from this because like the soul records that they're emulating are full of like passion and heartbreak and hard luck. And it comes through (laughs) in the music. And sometimes Dexy's midnight runners feels a little bit like a paint by number to me. They feel like the young rascals. I love that record. Get out of (laughs) here. I don't know. I definitely got a sense of passion and, and, and some desperation from this record. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, this came out in a very like economically depressed, you know, area in time. And uh, yeah, I think this guy, like he, he does what he wants to do. Um, his vocals, you know, he's definitely pushing them. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's pushing the hell out of them. He's getting some great falsetto on a, uh, tell me when my light turns green, which that song, I listened Dude. to that song a million times. That song Kyle, that's is my amazing. favorite song on the record. I, I wake up every morning and it's stuck in my head, right? It smokes. Yeah, and the horns really like, good. It makes me wonder if I'm going to be like, uh, uh, is it Chicago? Is that the band of all the horns? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, mm, would I be a Chicago fan? Because the horns just tickle my ears on this record. And uh, I, I starred a lot of songs. Um, some songs are, there's a lot of variety on it. You know, some are kind of maudlin and melodramatic and some are kind of fast. And uh, I definitely got like a Van Morrison vibe from a lot of it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Kevin Rowland would be very happy to hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with, well, at least Robin and Birch. Like, this is a pleasant surprise. I, I Unlike you, Ben, though, I feel like there's a lot of passion in it. I don't think it's paint by numbers. Uh, 
but I but I can see that you know just because he tries to change the band's identity so often between yeah records. yeah I got a little loveless passion um, throughout this and I think that is just because I am my ears have always go back to the OG of what was started you know the inspiration for these things and when you go back to like Otis Redding and you know those soul classics it's it's hard to listen to Blue Eyed Soul. Um, on the other spectrum because it has the same elements. It just feels a bit uh, sterilized in, in a way it doesn't have the, the gr- sort of grit, but at the same time, great players. I mean, this is a, a good album. They're talented players that if you were in a pub or a bar and saw this band, it would, it'd be a great oh, heck time. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like, someone needs to turn up the heat. They look cold. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, Durian Jones, you know, is is somebody I listen to pretty reg- on the regular right now. Um, and there's a lot of different, you know, artists, uh, Charles Bradley until he passed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those new soul, I guess, kind of, I guess, icons are are great. And this is definitely pushing that new soul um, element. This this will be an inspiration for a ton of um English bands to come, Amy Winehouse and all those, uh, you know, Northern soul, blue eyed soul. It, it, it definitely is just like one of those bands that I say don't get their due. And, and but I think they inspired a lot of people to uh, later on. Definitely. But uh, I did want to touch on Kyle. We, we uh, you brought up uh, tell me when my light turns green about how much of a jammer that is. <clears throat> so before Dexy's Midnight Runners, Kevin Rowland and Kevin Archer, the guitar player slash songwriter, were in a punk band called the Killjoys that were doing punk stuff. And Kevin and Kevin wrote this song, Tell Me When My Light Turns Green, to play with the Killjoys. Shortly after that, the Killjoys broke up and and the Kevins said, like, man, we should do a whole band that feels like that song. So that that song really was like the the prototype for for th- Dexy's Midnight Runners Mach 1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, this band does, speaking of Mach 1, there's, what, three mocks yeah. of this band? Over four albums. And this <laughs> I counted past members of Dexy's Midnight Rumber, uh, Runners, 53. Four albums, oh 53 members. Oh, my. <laughs> Everything I've read, like, though they continue to just redefine themselves album to album, like, the third record is supposed, like, is on a few list of one of the best albums of all time. And we'll get to it, won't we? That's crazy to me. Yeah, we're we're getting all three of them. Like, the only reason why we're not getting the fourth is because I don't think it came out until 2012. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bit surprised they're all in here. I'm familiar with all of them, but I was uh, still... (laughs) Uh, a bit shocked. I mean, two, sure, maybe, but yeah, all three is <laughs> is kind of a. Uh, it's very impressive uh, when when you're considering, you know, the Clash have two albums or 
some of those other bands are like yeah, yeah. you're right you're wow. right uh do you guys read about how dexy's midnight runners stole their own album from emi <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> i love it do you want me to tell? So, you want to? I, I I'll just cover the bases. Uh, apparently, EMI only signed three of the nine members. Uh, they considered it the group's nucleus, so uh, two thirds of the band were unsigned. And I think of the three, they were just getting six percent royalties, where twelve was the standard. Uh, Kevin Rowland told EMI he was going to steal the record if they didn't give him a better cut, and EMI laughed at him, and then. Roland start Kevin Roland started planning on how to steal it. So like the last day of recording, yeah, the producer stepped out to get a cup of coffee and they locked the door behind him. They had the car waiting out back. They stole their album and went on tour with it. Eventually, EMI compromised with them, gave them nine percent instead of six. But when they were returning the album to him, they took it on the London Underground, which apparently can erase the tapes with uh, all those magnets. So <laughs> they, they they could have accidentally destroyed their own album. I love that. I love that story that they yeah. just stole it. <laughs> it, it you know, the, the Roland also put a press embargo on the band. Uh, they started getting some critical reviews i think when 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 they just had the singles out like when burn it down came out and then when gino came out kevin Rowland didn't like the critical reviews so decided that the band would not speak with the press and they would just take out ads in the local magazines to say what the news of the band was instead of doing interviews they paid for their own press very nice kevin Rowland wanted to for a third single he wanted to just put different lyrics on the song. The song Keep It, initially it had different lyrics. The uh, the producer uh, told him that th- these lyrics weren't going to work. A different member of the band wrote some lyrics that ended up being the lyrics to the song Keep It. Roland didn't want to throw away his lyrics, so the poem that comes after Keep It, Love Part One, is the original lyrics to Keep It. Hmm. And then I guess Roland, Kevin Roland wanted to re-record Keep It with the other lyrics and release as a single, the band says, that's a bad idea. EMI says, that's a bad idea. He says he's going to do it anyway. The single flops and Dexy's Midnight Runners Mach 1 pretty much walk out on him. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't mention uh, that the producer was uh, Pete Wingfield. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, that uh, Bernie Rhodes, manager of The Clash, steered you know Dexy's early career. Uh, sort of arranging, getting them signed with EMI. But later, he d- definitely tried to interfere with the sound and and tr- tried to... Uh, uh, they accused him of trying to muddy the sound um, on dance stance and, and just kind of let him go after that. But he was... I mean, Bertie Rhodes sort of pops up every now and again. He's just one of those guys that uh, seems to have his hand in all these different bands. I listened to that first recording of Dance Stance that the band blamed his production on for not being successful. I thought it I thought it sounded great. It, it's a different a bit of a different feel. Uh, I like the album cut of Burn It Down as well, but I don't think I don't know why the single Dance Stance didn't perform as well as they wanted it to, but I don't think it was a production. Yeah, sometimes I mean, sometimes those things get said when they just want to cut ties. And so they have yeah. they have an excuse. I yeah. could absolutely see with a person like Bernie that they just said, no, we don't want this guy. I thought it was interesting, too. They had such a they were kind of not workaholics, but they had a very staunch 
uh, regiment of practicing recording. They could do, they apparently could do as much uppers as they wanted, but they couldn't drink, do drugs, uh, while they're practicing or at shows. Oh, what? But they, yeah, <laughs> but they, I was once in a band that, uh, that had a no drugs, no alcohol rule as well. But the, uh, but there also wasn't a nickname for drugs in the name of that band. <laughs> <laughs> if I was like a, if I was like way into Dexedrine and I joined Dexy's Midnight Runners and Kevin Rowland was like, we don't, you can't drink or do drugs on days we have shows. I would have been like, that's false advertisement, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, doesn't it, doesn't that name more or less amount to like dance, <laughs> dancing all night on speed or like speed dealers because runners being the person who's like who actually like runs the drugs, like, it could you know, I, I had assumed that they meant like jo- t- take jogging. your speed, take your speed, and 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 you're up getting it done all night, like dancing, jogging. partying, whatever you gotta do. Just running around in a circle, place. listening to horns. Yeah, yeah. You're, yes, in place, you're jogging uh, in place. Life during wartime. <laughs> Man, you said life during wartime, jogging in place, and that made me think of uh, Bloomington Legends, Prizzy Prizzy Please, which. Also, this album, the okay. track on it, uh, thankfully not living in Yorkshire, Yorkshire, it doesn't apply, reminds me so much of like seeing Prizzy Prizzy Please back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That song is a banger. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the falsetto. It's got the, like, the saxophone. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's like... Good call, Ben. Yeah. There's sound. think what do we think of the album i starred way more stuff than i thought i was going to like yeah no i i fucking love this yeah it's like a, it's like van morrison mark ii sure I'm yeah big fan of all the horns and the blue-eyed soul and yeah i can't uh i find no fault into it yeah i was positive big, yeah same positive um i mean i get i get ben what you're saying about you know, maybe I don't want to say fair weather, but somebody who changes styles between records, maybe you can find it insincere, but, uh, like David Bowie, what a phony, uh, but if you just words in my mouth, just (laughs) take this record as it is and and experience it. It's, it's fantastic. Like, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. I can see myself. Tell me when my light turns green is, is going to be, is going to get heavy rotation for me for a long time. Yeah, man. Um, big fan of this record. I'm going to give this record a positive. Uh, I threw out that we were, we were listening to these for a couple weeks because we took last week off and uh, I keep on coming back to it and I still stand by my critiques, but I think in this instance, the music is strong enough and the album is strong enough <clears throat> that it outweighs me feeling like they're very style forward a lot of pretense uh mm-hmm. like the the reservations i had <clears throat> and it, it, like i said it was i was on the same bubble with uh with adam the ants only on this one i'm falling on the other side of the fence so i don't know maybe it's the the 
the Dexy Ant Divide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like when it comes to very stylish bands of this era that had like one or two big hits, uh, I'm falling on the positive side of the, of the fence for Dexy. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the positive. It's it's soul music that has that that feels like a bar band. That feels like a band you would go see on a Friday Saturday night at any you know pub, and they would tear it up. You know, they would. It, it just has a real nice sound. It's recorded really well too. Um, the production is is quite good for uh, the band. Yeah, it just. It just hits the the right notes for me, um, and of course they kind of call back to these older songs that they didn't write. It's it, it's it's a bit of a love letter to sort of that Motown stacks um, era of music, but just in a English pop. So yeah, I, I'm into it. There is a murderer on the cover of this album. Excuse it's me? not it's not the central figure. Uh, so the, the cover of this album is a picture of like 11 year old boy with all of his possessions uh, being forced to relocate uh, during the, the troubles in Northern Ireland. And on the far left, you can see like it, just partial view, like a long haired dude. Uh, you see mostly his back, but that is Robert Bates. Uh, Robert Bates was, uh, he was a member of the infamous loyalist gang, the, the uh, Shankill Butchers. Uh, he was also a member of the the UVF, the Ulster Volunteer Force, and he was cracking skulls and killing people, and eventually was arrested and I think murdered. Uh, like, hmm. uh, but yeah, he's right there on the cover, which is weird. <laughs> he's not like he's not a central focus. It's just like at some point someone's looking at that picture and I'm like, wait a minute, isn't isn't that the guy that like killed my uncle and threw me out of my house? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Eek. Wow. It's amazing yeah. you could recognize him from. Yeah, it, it, you can barely, it, like, it's mostly like a profile. You can't even see that much of his features, you know? All right, next time we'll be talking about ACDC, Back in Black. All right, thanks, y'all.